Pulse Audio Podcast Network. Part of the Boundless Audio Podcast Network. Hello, everyone. I hope you are all sufficiently stuffed with turkey and other good feelings and grateful vibes because we are here today to stuff your brain with knowledge about women from history that you probably haven't heard of but definitely should have. I'm Kelly. I'm Emily and I hope your racist uncle Jerry ate shit this Thanksgiving. Literally. (laughs) I hope you came out in front of your grandma even though everyone's like no she's so sensitive. It's like stop infantilizing grandma. She's a grown woman. I'm gay. And I hope your grandma was like and I love you anyway i hope your grandma was anyway like, actually i lo- just i love you i hope your grandma was like and like i <laughs> right? fucking know <laughs> i knew that already <laughs> let me tell you about me and eleanor roosevelt yeah right <laughs> just launches into this own thing oh my god the great the great thanksgiving story is that it turns out everyone in the family is super gay and they're trying to keep it from each other because they're worried about grandma Right, and it turns like, out Grandma is the like the two, biggest two lesbian married, on the two face. married couples are actually like seeing each other, like the husbands are actually together, yep. the wives are actually together, but everyone's being everyone else's beard and like, oh my god, that that's that's a little uh, Grace and Frankie because in that there uh, there are two uh, heterosexual couples who are their their friends like yeah and then the husbands like fall in love the right? husbands fall in love they're carrying on this affair and finally they decide to come clean to their wives and so the husbands uh are trying to navigate having an an out relationship mm-hmm. and even and coming out you know as you know senior men while the wives are like what do what? we do now you know it, i i like the series because there's enough humor where it's not like too cringe there are some things where it's like ooh, like you get that it's kind of like when you watch like a, a really good sitcom, but that's older that you're like, ooh, that didn't age well. No, no, it's not even that. Not it's that, like not residual, that it's residual anxiety. Like uh, when you watch a movie and someone is doing something cringe and you like feel it, you're like, oh no, don't do it. Don't do it. Like, don't. Yeah. Justin won't watch like certain movies because of that. He's like, I, yeah. just, I can't. Um, I'm like, I get that. But what I like about it is that it acknowledges the... You know, the the struggles of the the men, mm-hmm. you know, living in the closet for so long, having this secret affair. And it doesn't paint them as the bad guys, but it also acknowledges like, hey. Like their wives aren't the really, bad guys either. Well, you also really hurt these people. But yeah, the wives are entitled to be upset and to struggle with putting their lives back together because they're senior women who are kind of having to romantically start over and decide if that's even what they want. Right. You know, and, and so it's just kind of like, man, everyone is in this crappy situation, but they're all likable people who are just really trying to do their best. And it's it's good. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. So racist Uncle Jerry, suck it. I hope your lesbian grandma gave you a big hug this Thanksgiving. <laughs> I'm just going to crap this fake family. Yeah. Starting with the lesbian grandma who stooped Eleanor Roosevelt. There we go. All right. Uh, gonna start working on that book. That would be great. <laughs> um, so I was drinking hot apple cider, um, but I was hanging out upstairs for a minute. The break took too and long. I was, we, we took a break and I was watching Kelly's husband play the new Pokemon game, Violet and Scarlet. Is that what it is? Yeah, he's playing Scarlet. Yeah. yeah. 
And uh, I got really distracted and I just like mindlessly slurped down my hot apple cider. I'm like, I, I can't dr- keep drinking and my bladder is going to explode. So I'm just chilling. Chilling like a villain. Mm, mm, mm. And then Kelly, you were, you're drinking a non-alcoholic drink out of a Bacardi mug. Yep. I have like four of them. It's I got them like, from Applebee's. It's like a glass goblet that says Bacardi Ocot, smooth spiced rum, and it has something pink pink in it. I don't think spiced rum is pink. No. That'd it be cool. Strawberry though. flavored water. Yum. All right. Well, I'm going first today. You are. Oh my God. I'm like so not prepared. No, I'm kidding. I'm kind of prepared. As prepared as Emily can be. So, stories. Clearly, you're more prepared than me because I just steal your stories. We will get there. <laughs> but before we started recording, I had. <laughs> I had a very strong and unattractive reaction. She's over there like, I'm not mad. I'm like, I think you're mad. No, no, no. I was, it was like a, oh my God. So a couple weeks ago, Kelly covered Annie Dodge-Winneka, which was a story I was working on. And Kelly's like, oh, you've probably heard of the woman I'm covering today. I'm like, oh, who is it? She tells me, well, that was the story I was working on in tandem with Annie Dodge-Winneka. So I was just like, are you fucking kidding me? I told you not. I told you I was working on. And like, I'm not mad because I was not going to cover her today. But I was like, wow, we are, our ovaries are glowing in sync. They're the same shade of gold. Right. I'm like, I'm starting to think, I'm like, maybe we actually need to start telling each other the names of who we're covering. I don't, okay. There was that one time where you covered three trans women and I was covering one of them. Yeah, so I just took the one out. <laughs> but we really don't almost collide very often, but this has happened twice in a month. Uh, well, and I think is I think what it is is when we have months that we're actually both sticking to the same theme. Yeah. That's when we run into problems. Well, <laughs> I think also when we google the same search terms yeah. and read the same listicles to Women we yeah. And we're like, covered her, covered her, covered her. Ooh, there's like three people on this list we haven't covered. I know. We pick that's, the same two. That's the other thing. The listicle, like 10 women, really like 10 indigenous women from history you've you should, never heard yeah. of. It's like, we've covered all of them except for two. <laughs> and then Kelly and I covered both of them. three. The same time. There was three because I asked you about another one and we haven't and covered we her either. The same two. <laughs> all right. Well, I am not covering anyone that Kelly is covering. Uh, no, I'm excited for your story, though. This is fine. I am departing from the the theme of the month because uh, I kind of came upon this, and it's also an area that I don't dive into very often. So let's just, let's just slip on in. Mm. Slide in. So stories of women from the ancient world don't always survive to modernity. I was going to be modernity. So, modernity. I was going to sound so smart saying that word. I was. I was like, mm, that's a good word. Good vocab, Emily. Astronomical. <laughs> 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 you know what? This is what happens when I don't drink. Yeah. <laughs> so they always survive to modernity, and when they do, we certainly don't focus on them, or we treat them as outliers. Yep. Like, no, 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 men rule the world. This one woman did something, but that was like a freak of nature. 
That's why, even though there is little information on this woman, I still want to tell what little of her story that we can. Because women have been doing the damn thing since the beginning of fucking time. Today, I am whining about Queen Apama, the first of the 300s BC general timey-wimey area. Jeremy bear me, bitches. So Apama was a noble woman in Sogdia, which was an ancient Iranian civilization, which was part of the Achaemenid, Achaemenid Empire. You know what? I'm doing all right. This could be so much worse. Uh, which spanned across present day Uzbekistan, Tajikistan, Turkmenistan, Kazakhstan, and Kyrgyzstan. Wow. It was a big un. Uh, the Sogdians were an advanced society with strong artistic traditions who engaged in travel and trade in the region. So, like, modern, modern civilization. Yeah. Civ 6. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Uh, Apama was the daughter of a baron, Spitamenes. Best name spit ever of menies. Spitamenes. I'm sticking with spit of menies. Well, he had a bunch of kids, so someone wasn't spitting. Ooh. Oh, no, wait, no, that makes no sense. I don't know. Sex joke. Uh, so Spitamenes uh, led an uprising against Alexander the Great or Alexander the Fourth, because I think his father was also the Great. They're all great. Whatever. Of Macedonia in 329 B.C. Uh, so Alexander's coming in and is like, this shit's mine. And Spitamenes is like, no, it ain't. So initially the rebellion was successful. However, Spitamenes was allegedly betrayed by his own wife and beheaded. Or he was murdered by local clans who wanted to make peace with the Macedonian army. You know, one or the other. Either way, he was murdered. Um, so, I mean, what the details don't really matter. It was a bad time for him. And now his part in the story is over. Alexander IV wanted to quell any further uprisings and quickly anchor the newly conquered people in his kingdom. He encouraged his men, a.k.a. mandated, that his men take Sogdinian wives. Apama, being the daughter of the rebel leader, especially needed to be married off. And she was married to a high-ranking general named Seleucus Seleucus. I'm going to call him Seleculus, because that just feels right. Seleculus I Nicador. Nicator. Nick Gator. Gator Man. Um, so she was married off to Seleculus in 324 BC. But instead of being this, like, nice, intimate affair, you know, just some close family and friends, you know, we want to be like too big. It was actually part of a mass wedding in Susa, Persia, in which a whole slew of women were married off to prominent Macedonian men known as the Susa wedding. So it was like a cult wedding where it's like everyone's in the room, they say some shit and all of a sudden everyone's married. Arian of Nicomeda, a Greek historian and philosopher, wrote of the bizarre occasion. The bridegrooms, after receiving their brides, led them away, each to his own home, and to all Alexander gave a dowry. And as for all the Macedonians who had already married Asian women, Alexander ordered a list of their names to be drawn up. They numbered over 10,000, and Alexander offered them all gifts for their wedding. Wow. I mean, Alexander, he's a good wedding guest. He's showing up. <laughs> Unless they were all Target gift cards. 
which is what I would get for a wedding, but I'm not a conquering king. So the point was to join the two kingdoms and produce children who were descendants of both. However, if you think the uh, women of Sogdia were bummed about this, the Macedonian men were just as pissed about the forced marriages. After Alexander IV's death, all of the nobles divorced their forced mass marriage wives. There were only two men who didn't. One straight up died before Alexander did, so he never got the opportunity to divorce his forced marriage wife. Um, And the second was Seleculus, who succeeded Alexander and became king of the Seleucid Empire, which is kind of named after him, which encompassed modern-day Syria and Iran. So there's more to that. There was like a power vacuum and a power struggle, but Seleculus comes up and he's like the guy. And he doesn't divorce his wife. So instead of divorcing Apama, Seleculus made her queen. The two would have three children, two sons, uh, Anna. Antiochus, uh, who would become king after his father, and Achaeus, uh, wow. and then a daughter, Apama Jr., Aww. who lived as little nobles. I'm like, oh, I love that. Little Apama. The reason for this was likely because Apama was not only a vehicle for heirs, Sheep herself was a valuable ally. Apama was a noble woman, was educated, spoke regional languages, and understood the culture and court customs of the region. She was critical for Seleculus maintaining control and unity over his new kingdom. And for 30 years, Queen Apama ruled with Seleculus. We don't know when Apama died, but Seleculus remarried only after her death around 300 to 297 BC. So it was like in that range. Because Apama's voice is virtually erased from history, we can only infer as to her role as queen. What we can assume, though, is that she was well-liked and respected at the very least by her husband. In Apama's honor, Seleculus named not one, not two, but... Three cities after her. Wow. They were all named uh, Apamea, including Apamea on the Orontes River, Apamea uh, in the Euphrates, and Apamea in Medea. Uh, Ancient ruins of some of these cities can still be found. But, like, I'm sure there were cities named after him. But he, he... didn't divorce her like literally every single other person in this mass wedding did he ruled with her and he named cities after her and i just i i'm reading a lot into it but it sounds like she probably had quite a bit of power and respect so again we don't know much about apama we don't know her birthday. We don't even have any words or depictions of her. But what we can infer is that she was a powerful ally. And if not equal to her husband, the king, just slightly under him as far as power, rule, and respect. And that is the story of Apama, the queen with no voice. It's a shorty, but I thought it was really interesting and getting into some of that history. I was able to find out a lot more information than I thought I would. Also, the mass marriage was kind of a what the fuck? (laughs) So, yeah. Yeah, like, 
usually you don't hear like about mass marriages. It's usually they just steal the women and yeah. terrible things happen. Yeah. And then Alexander gave them all like dowries and wedding gifts. I'm like, okay, this is wrong in every way. But Alexander, you're doing the wrong thing in like the best way maybe you can. You're doing the worst thing in the best way. It, I don't right, know. Like, it could have been so much worse. <laughs> It's one of those things that you're like, this could have been worse. It's not gray. Yeah. I mean, for the time, it could be a lot worse. I mean, it's just massacre everyone. The bar is pretty low <laughs> for things not sucking hard. Right. Uh. Hey guys, we know times have been tough lately for all of us. And during hard times, it can be difficult if you don't have anyone to talk to, or it can be hard to talk about certain topics. Being alone with your thoughts can be isolating. This is why we are sponsored by BetterHelp. BetterHelp offers licensed therapists who are trained to listen to and help you. Talk to your therapist in a private online environment at your convenience. BetterHelp is customized online therapy that offers video, phone, and even live chat sessions with your therapist. So you don't have to see anyone on camera if you don't want to. Thank goodness. There's a broad range of expertise in BetterHelp's 20,000 plus therapist network that gives you access to the help that may not be available in your area. You just fill out a questionnaire to help assess your specific needs, and then you get matched with a therapist in under 48 hours. That is Amazon fast. Then you schedule secure video and phone sessions. Plus, you can exchange unlimited messages, and everything you share is completely confidential, just like with an in-person therapist. You can request a new therapist at any time at no additional charges. If you want to talk to someone about your mental health, you can get a 10% off your first month at betterhelp.com slash herstory. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P, dot com slash herstory. So Kelly, who are you whining about? I'm just prepared because I know she's going to yell at me again. I'm whining about Buffalo Calf Road Woman. Who I was going to cover. It's fine. It's totally fine. Also known as... uh, was it Buffalo Calf, like Trail Woman or something? Like there, there was another version of her name. My computer's about to fall over. Oh no! Don't do it. Oh no! Don't, don't fall! Do don't fall! I believe in you. Um, because it had, like they never really explained how she got her name, so I I don't think it was a from birth name, but it might have been. Well, we were kind of talking about that how like there's the name that you're given at birth just so you have a something to be called and then there's the name that you earn. Like right. you tell your community what your name is. Uh so she was also known as Brave Woman as well. That was her like third name. Love it. Oh, Buffalo Calf Trail Woman. That was the other one. Okay. Do do you think it was like Buffalo Calf the road or trail like road parenthesis or yeah, quotes trail like that was her nickname her middle name was brave woman and then road wo- no yeah, i'm exactly. just making this just all. all these things i love that she's just all these cool adjectives right so details of buffalo calf road woman's life are lacking severely lacking tell me more about how you couldn't find any information about the woman you were covering we could just write a book about that we could write a book but it would be two sentences source not found source not found (laughs) um she was most likely born in the 1850s Ooh, we're going back to the 50s again i mean not 
really poodle skirts and soda jerks. Um, she was a war or she married a warrior named Black Coyote. We know that. We know she had two children. Okay. Well, I mean, as long as we know that, you know, she fulfilled her anatomical duty and pumped out children. Um, so she was later described in um, a book by Maria Sandoz, who did like a whole bunch. She's a Western historian and a novelist. Um, and she published like a book on the che- Cheyenne Warriors. So she, uh, Buffalo Calf Road Woman is, is part of the Cheyenne tribe. Um, and how she described her was, quote, a gun in her hands ready, the baby tied securely to her back. Like, so she was a mom, but she was also a fighter. She was a working mom. Right. Hey, you know what? You can have it all. <laughs> so the mention of a gun. We're just, like, jumping into her life because, like I said, there's, there's no, not a lot. There's no prequel. We're so, in episode four. Since, since we don't know a lot about her life, we don't really know how she actually, like, learned to wield a gun. Because that's not, like, a traditional you know, native firearm or not firearm, but weapon. Native weapon. Thank you. I was like, um, but that her skill with guns is what kind of helped, helped her rise to prominence um, among her people. So remember last week I talked about the battle of Rosebud. Oh, and the other magpie. Yep. With her on, bitch stick. We're on the opposite side of that battle this time. Oh shit. Seriously. Because that They were part, um, the Cheyenne were fighting with the Lakota. Yes. Oh, snap. They were fighting against the army. Okay, can, can, can we just say, though, real quick. Can you imagine? You're, you're a working warrior mom. You got your baby strapped to your back. You got your gun in your hand. And this bitch comes out of nowhere on a horse screaming and spitting, like whipping around her bitch stick. I, I just kind of like, she's, she's one-shotting like, yeah. people with her stick. I hope she just kind of like nods and goes, yeah, you're hey. okay in my book. <laughs> Game, game, respect, game. Yeah, right. I, I, I see you. I don't agree with what you're doing, but I love the way you're doing it. <laughs> yep. So the Cheyenne and Lakota tribes are fighting against the U.S. Army and the Crow. Okay. That's where we're at. Um, Again, like we talked about, this stuff is complex. <laughs> yeah, it is. Um, so General Crook, who I'm like, really? Are that you was fucking no. kidding I'm, me? Is I'm that not, a, I wish. Is that a family name? How did you acquire that? Oh yeah, my, my great great grandfather was just a fucking piece of shit. Right. So General Crook and his men were advancing toward um Buffalo Calf Road Woman's the Cheyenne Village, and the warriors were preparing to stop them. So they were determined to save their people, and she decided to go with them despite Pretty, maybe not strong opposition, but like people being like, eh, women really shouldn't be going into battle. You yeah. know, uh, she didn't give a shit and she went anyways and she fought bravely. At one point, her brother comes in sight. I can't make this shit up. I love that name. <laughs> um, so we have Spitamenes and comes in sight. Yep. So I'm he, loving these his names. horse got hit. Mm hmm. He fell off. He landed in a gully and the soldiers were like advancing toward him. So mm-hmm. similar to. Oh, yeah. Yep. To Ashtish. Yep. As if this one was actually her brother's. She rides down the gully on her horse amidst all of these flying bullets, grabs her brother, pulls him onto her horse and then just like rides away. <laughs> okay. That is something out of the movies where I would look at and be like. I don't know if that's physically possible. 
Apparently it is if you're Buffalo Calf Road Woman. The other Lakota and Cheyenne warriors that saw the scene were super fucking impressed. Um, They themselves had hesitated, obviously, like no one else had gone to his rescue. They thought that it was impossible to save him because he was like down in a gully and they were like, well, he's fucked. Yeah, they're like, we can't get to him in time. Um, Sorry, bro. So while like the Lakota lost, like, cause if when in the other story, it sounded like the Lakota lost on their scalping mission. So they must've been like on one front because Mm -hmm. according to the Cheyenne, they were victorious. So I think it was the Lakota got screwed when they were trying to kill the crow, but the Cheyenne pushed the army out of their village kind of a thing. Yeah. They were able to defend their territory. A victory. Yeah. It was is a very complicated oh, situation. <laughs> it's so complicated. Kelly is bitch slapping her mic yeah, right now. I'm so angry. Why can't things be simple? Um, so the battle would actually get named after her. Literally, it was called the battle where the girl saved her brother. Jesus Christ. I thought it was going to be the Buffalo Calf Road Woman battle. No, the <laughs> battle where the girl saved her brother. <laughs> yep. So Uh, a week later, not even that long, uh, General George Armstrong Custer would be leading his troops against the encampment of the Cheyenne, the Lakota, and the other tribes that camped along the Little Bighorn River. All right. This is uh, the history break time, meaning I'm going to tell you a little bit about Little Bighorn because... um, American history breakdown. One, it's been a long time since I was in high school. I don't know if this is still in the curriculum or not. Um Two, we do have some listeners that are not from America. Three, I am her co-host and I know nothing. (laughs) Uh, Okay, so for the Native Americans of the Northern Plains, which is where we live in the Northern Plains, um, the Battle of Little Bighorn, which is what ends up being called, um, is a thing. So basically, this is gonna this happens in the Montana Territory. It's 1876. It's the Lakota Sioux, the Northern Cheyenne, and the Afrapaho. Arapaho. Ar- Ar- I you know what I said that earlier, and then like now I'm like I No, that's okay. What was my word? Modernity. Yeah, modernity. Modernity. Um, <laughs> astronomical. Yeah. So the so that's the one side the other side is um u.s troops led by george armstrong custer who was a civil war hero but he was also kind of an asshole particularly indigenous people wait real quick union or confederate i don't know i didn't look into it it just said civil war hero okay well that means fucking nothing (laughs) from the south i think he was a confederate but i'm not a hundred percent i'll look it up just because i'm curious i know someone is yelling at us my ears are burning okay so a little bit more background going back even farther so the reason that they're having this whole fight was because before the fighting uh, Custer had led some of his men on a discovery expedition into like the Dakotas and they found black gold or they found metal in the black hills of South Dakota, which then everyone wanted. So they were like, well, we can't have these indigenous people living here. We want their resources. They need to move. And they didn't want to move. Yeah. He, he was also part of the union army. Oh, which doesn't, union doesn't army. make him a good person. I couldn't remember. Um, it, you know, you could, you could be like, Hey, slavery's bad, but genocide's all right. So they started trying, the U.S. The US Army at the time started trying to push um, people out, be, even though that there, there was a treaty in place to protect the land of the Sioux in particular. 
Um, and the big names here for the Indian leaders are Sitting Bull and Crazy Horse. And they were the two that really started to rise up and be like, no, we're not giving up our lands. Um, Custer, on the other hand, was um, very confident that he could win because, you know, they had the superior troops and the superior firepower and the new fandangled thing called a Gatling gun. Um, And basically they were like, yeah, it's only a matter of time before we just like crush them and they surrender and we're fine. Yeah. No, no biggie. Right. And so Custer's biggest mistake was he was just like, I'm gonna make this happen as fast as humanly possible. Yep. Um, So his orders, why he was camped in the Bighorn Mountains of Montana was to basically like, trap the Sioux that were living there until reinforcements arrived. That's all he was supposed to do. (laughs) That is not what he actually did because he went on to discover like a small Indian village on the little Bighorn river. And then he ordered his troops to attack. Not realizing that this tiny village was actually the main encampment of the Sioux and Cheyenne people. Oh, Uh, so it was about three thousand warriors led by crazy horse um descending upon custer's regiment and within hours the entire seventh cavalry and general custer were dead whoopsie (laughs) okay back to my actual story well actually no so i i have a little bit more so for the native americans of the northern plains obviously this was a huge victory the u.s government forces you know, kind of, they got paused and they were like, um, um, and so the interesting thing about this battle was even though there were these three nations and then the U S army, the exact circumstances surrounding particularly how Custer died, um, have been incredibly debated and, uh, new information as of 2005 came out because the members of the Northern Cheyenne nation finally broke, um, their 130 year silence of what actually happened. Okay. So up until this point, what everyone knew is there was a battle. It did not go the way that the U S government thought it would, let alone Custer. And he died and, mm-hmm. but no one like knew exactly who killed. Well, exactly. Yeah. But no one knew exactly who, like how this happened. Yeah. Or who killed him. Right. Okay. For a hundred and thirty years, I think a lot of people assumed that um, it was like Crazy, crazy Horse. Horse did, um, just because he was he was the he was the, the, the one that was there. Yeah, yeah. He, was, um, he was the big name. He was the uh, the headliner. So yeah, so Frank Rowland, who is a Cheyenne elder, in two thousand five, told a Montana based um, newspaper, "quote." The chief said to keep a vow of silence for a hundred summers. One hundred summers have now passed and we're breaking our silence. This was in 2005, which was actually 130 years later. Um, And the reason that they gave for not giving their account, like the the reason the Northern Cheyenne were like, we're not going to do this is because they feared retribution from the U.S. government. They're like, if we take responsibility or say that it was one of our members, Mm -hmm. they're going to wipe us out. Well, why would they think that? Right. The U.S. government has been so chill and there have been no revenge killings up until now. If we wait long enough that everyone that was involved in this is dead. (laughs) So according to the oral history of the tribe, um, 
after their, you know, 130 years of silence. According to their account, it was a female fighter named Buffalo Calf Road Woman who knocked Custer off his horse, leaving him vulnerable and who probably killed him. Holy shit. Yeah. <laughs> like, there's all this shit going down, and they're like, nah, she knocked him off his horse. We know exactly With her who bitch it was. Stick. With her fucking bitch stick. Also, like, I love that not only were they able to keep this a secret for, like, what, what how many years? 130. Did you say? 130 years, but then, but they were also able to keep the the story alive. Like, they were able to keep that. Right. They kept it within the tribe, but they kept it alive. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Like, that's incredible. Like, with now, like, it would be like one tweet, like, guys, guys, it was Buffalo Calf Road Woman. That, that's why they did it in 2005, because they're like, okay, social media is taking off, and we're going to have one shitty kid who's like, Posting it to Facebook. We we got to get ahead of this. Right. So this freaking tw- posting it to MySpace. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 2005 probably. With their crappy garage band music. <laughs> so them coming out about it wasn't actually the first mention of Buffalo Calf Road Woman being at Little Bighorn. Mm-hmm. It was the first mention of her, them being like, yeah, she was probably the one that killed Custer or at least knocked him off his horse so he could be killed. Yeah. Um, defeated. Defeated. Yeah. Vanquished. Finish him. Um, Fatality. There was a book on Custer um, and the little big on Little Bighorn that includes the account of a, of a of a different female eyewitness who says, "Quote: Most of the women looking at the battle stayed out of reach of the bullets as I did, but there was one who went in close at times. Her name was Calf Road Woman. She had a six shooter with bullets and powder, and she fired many shots at the sh- soldiers. She was the only woman there who had a gun. So." Like them coming up and just like they didn't like pick her at random. Yeah, there there is eyewitness like testimony from the battle. Like, no, she was there. We've established that she was there. She had the means, the motive, and the opportunity. It was Cap- Buffalo Calf Road Woman in the study with the gun, with the candle, with the bitch with the stick. Bitch stick. <laughs> um, I can't. Right? I can't stop. I need a bitch stick I so know. bad. With a feather on it. With a feather, yeah, no. Wallace Bearchum, who it, who was the director of tribal services for the Northern Cheyenne in 2005, uh, had an interview with Mental Floss and talked about her, like, warrior exploits that surfaced within the tribe after the Battle, battle of Little Bighorn. They talked about how she fought op- out in the open instead of taking cover. She stayed on her horse the entire time, which is, like, a huge thing. Like, yeah. getting knocked off your horses, like dishonoring and that's how you die (laughs) i was gonna say uh, you're fucked yeah that's why that's why her brother when he fell into that gully they're all like "Ooh, we're not gonna be able to save him and she's like i'm gonna do it right he also added that while buffalo calf woman was an excellent marksman it was actually a club-like object she used not a gun to knock custer off his horse bitch stick (laughs) um and then it's not exactly like there was a lot going on so it's not 100 percent like what happened after that, but he said Buffalo calf road woman and the other Cheyenne and Sioux women finished Custer and the other cavalry soldiers off right after the battle, going from soldier to soldier, finishing them off and taking things from them, remembering the relatives that had been killed by soldiers in previous attacks. Yeah. So these women are like, fuck this shit. Yeah. They're like, no, 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 we're not, we're not messing around here. I don't care about superstition or anything. We're ending this. Right. Um, so another account says when when Custer fell, um, 
He wasn't touched by the warriors because he was unclean. He was bad medicine. Yep. I don't know what that means. I, I think it's like, like bad luck. Like, yeah. like I said, like with the superstition, yeah, you know, that's true. And, and the way we're like, don't care, don't care. Fuck like he killed this. our family. Fuck this shit. Yeah. Um, what I thought was interesting about it. So the battle is also known as Custer's last stand because that's where he died. And everything's about him. around him. Um, what I didn't know was that apparently his body wasn't found for two days and then they oh. found him nude with two potentially fatal bullet wounds, which it's like, they could have been fatal. He could have died for some other reason. Yep. Like it was one of those that they're like, yeah, his body has a lot of damage, but there's definitely two bullet wounds. I saw this. I saw this amazing post online where it was um, a picture. It, so it was a picture of a skull, like an ancient skull that someone had recovered and it had a big blade sticking through the top of the skull. Oh. Yeah. Um, and someone comments that they're like, Oh, it's always so fascinating to see things like this. And it always makes you wonder, what was this person's life like and how did they die? And someone commented, pretty sure it's the big blade going right through the skull. Just my guess. Right. <laughs> I know when you see those, like, really, uh, I guess it's like, theoretically, I guess it could have been added after, but... <sighs> Um, so no matter how brave she was and how well she fought, Buffalo Calf Road Woman was fighting a losing battle against the U.S. federal government. Yeah. After Custer's last stand, um, Buffalo Calf Road Woman and the other Cheyenne, Sioux, and um, other northern Indian nations were doggedly pursued by uh, U.S. troops. Um, particularly the group of Cheyenne that Buffalo Calf Road Woman was with and her husband, Black Coyote, had been on the run for quite a while and were reaching the point of starvation when they were caught and eventually relocated to Indian Territory. Literally, that's what they named it, Indian Territory, yeah. also known as present-day Oklahoma. God damn it. So this group of Northern Cheyenne that are, is getting moved from, like, the Montana, Dakotas... Canada, Minnesota, like region. Yeah. Is finding themselves homesick and miserable in their new territory in like in Oklahoma. I would, also Oklahoma be, I would so. also be miserable in Oklahoma. As much as much as I hate winter, I could not deal with Oklahoma summer. Right. So Buffalo Calf Road Woman and her husband um made the decision to join what became known as the Northern Cheyenne Exodus which is about 300 members of the Northern Cheyenne tribe that decided to leave Oklahoma to return to their homeland in the northern part of the U.S. Yeah. I this, love that. Like, they're like, we're going home and everyone else us. can go fuck right. themselves. So this took place between the fall of 1878 and 1879. Unfortunately, during the exodus, something kind of snapped in Black Coyote and his personality took a change for the worse. Mm. I mean, like... Talk about trauma and stuff. He, yeah. beca he became really unhinged, would often fly into fits of hostility against um, Buffalo Calf Road Woman and other like members of his tribe. He would often brandish a gun at his own people and at other yeah. people. He also would steal horses that were the property of the U.S. Army. And then when the tribal elder, of, just of this group of 300, not even like of the whole Cheyenne tribe, but of yeah. this like small group that they're traveling with, confronted him he fatally shot him oh god so this is when black coyote kind of like 
left that group. Yeah. Um, Buffalo Cat Road Woman kind of like stayed though. Obviously, like she was like, no, these are my people. And he well, really. Also, it, she kind of had to make a choice in that situation. Right. And she had the two. She has two kids. And yeah, yeah, it's a whole thing. Uh, I, I like. I feel really bad because obviously he is responsible for his behavior, but it sounds like. There's a lot going they've, on. They've been through a lot. Uh, it sounds like there's a lot of PTSD that is not getting dealt with, and there's a lot of unnecessary trauma that is not yeah. being treated. And that's just, it, it, it's sad because the emotional damage is causing further emotional and physical damage to the people he's around. Right. So once he kind of left that group, he kind of formed like a raiding party and became a danger to everyone, basically. April 5th of 1879, he led a small party to ambush two U.S. soldiers who who were just out repairing a telegraph line in Montana. Like, they weren't doing anything. Yeah. Um, they killed one of them and then, like, raided his corpse, as you do when you ambush people. Um, and when U.S. forces tracked down the hunting party and Black Coyote in particular, um, he had some of the slain soldiers' possessions on his person, which mm-hmm. does not look good. Yeah, it, it implicated him. Yeah. So him and two of the men that were traveling with him were arrested and in sh- very short order tried, convicted, and sentenced to be executed by hanging. So that sucks. It's, I don't know, It it's sad all around because it's tragedy begets tragedy begets tragedy. Yeah. You know. So while her husband's off doing terrible things, <laughs> um, not terrible things, well, but it's kind of just like getting into some trouble and it, then It's sad dying. because, uh, you know, these things don't happen in a vacuum and they don't happen in an end. There are ripple effects right. that you can't anticipate how anything is going to happen. I'm, again, I'm not saying he's not responsible for his actions, but it seems like there was a dramatic change in his behavior. And I think we can all kind of attribute that to trauma. Yeah. And that really sucks. So while this is going on, Buffalo Calf Road Woman is traveling with the rest of the Northern Cheyenne group. And her own situation, unfortunately, also begins to deteriorate. She caught what, what was called the white man's coughing disease. Goddamn. Um, some people think it was malaria, but um, I, I agree with the majority of sources which said it's probably diphtheria because there was a huge epidemic of diphtheria going around at that time. And mm-hmm. that is not like a native disease. That's why they hear. called it the white man's cough. Um, so I could definitely see that. Um, and she died at some point in May 1879. They are not sure the exact location of her burial because the Cheyenne group was still traveling. Um, he explains that back then the Cheyenne custom was to bury the dead immediately in the nearby hills so their spirits could be with the ancestors. Um, he does think she did make it as far as Montana though, which means she did make it like to the great to somewhere in the, yeah, I don't know. We, we looked it up and like, I, I don't know exactly where in Montana their original range was, but it was in that area. Yeah. Um, so he thinks she's probably buried somewhere in the hills near what is now Miles City, Montana. Um, eventually, the Cheyenne did get settled into the, a land of their own in southeastern Montana in a place known as Lame Deer, where I've been through. I might have gotten gas there. I can't remember. Um, <laughs> it's not in great shape because 
we still don't really take care of the indigenous people and it's complicated and there's a bunch of laws and I don't know it well enough to get into it, but it's a thing and it's terrible and there's a whole lot of issues. It's one of those things. It's complicated, but we have also sent people to the moon. So maybe we can figure this out. Like it shouldn't be this complicated. Like people should have running water. Right. Yeah. In the United States. Hot take. Hot take. Hot take. What's up, Flint? You guys too. You deserve clean water. Right? Who is, why haven't we fixed that? But yeah, God. So that is Buffalo Calf Road Woman or Brave Woman or Woman Who Rescued Her Brother. Woman Who Rescued Her Brother. The girl, or the battle where the girl saved her brother. Yeah. She is the girl that saved her brother. It's the well, you know, it's not girl with the dragon tattoo, but girl who saved arguably her it is harder to save your brother than get a dragon tattoo. Custer's uh Custer's last <laughs> last bitch stick. Yeah. Bitch stick to the face, man. Good. He was an asshole. I'm sorry, like if you actually like look up stuff about Custer, he was an asshole. Yeah, and, I mean that's one of those things. A lot of historical figures, if you kind of get into them past the the mythos, it's like, oh, <laughs> they were an asshole. You kind of sucked. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what though? I I'm glad you told that story because I I remember learning about the Battle of Little Bighorn. Uh, I think when I was a kid, like not even high school, but I don't remember any of it anymore. And the version of American history that does include indigenous tribes that we got in the 90s was definitely um, whitewashed. I would I would say they skimmed over a lot because one, I don't know how well the teachers understood it Two, how well like we were going to under, you know, that kind of thing where it's like, OK, this could be an entire year of study. And we have to condense this to the point of almost miss, like, missing the point. So, well, thank you for sharing that story, Kelly. Yeah. So, my darling Kelly. What? What are you thankful for? I am thankful for the time spending family, spending with family, Jesus, spending family, um, spending with family. Making it rain family members. Like be just being able to see both families and like spend that time because not everyone gets that. And I'm really appreciative of it. I am really thankful because historically for me, the holidays have been complicated. Yeah. A little stressful. And actually my last Thanksgiving Turned out to be a fuck nut of a nightmare, which was only saved when I got invited to Tierney and her younger sister's bitch giving, where I got well, drunk watching Hayomi. You can always come with me to my Thanksgiving. Um, that was that was awesome. I got I got so drunk on old fashions, mold wine, and watched so much Hayomi Miyazaki. It was great. Um, and I don't know. It's kind of. I keep having the reaction to be stressed about upcoming holidays or if I'm like, wait, I don't have to anymore. Like it's interesting how your body remembers to, to tense up and to be stressed and you have to remind yourself. You have to like, you're like, no, calm yourself and be like, no, it's okay now. Cause you know, Christmas was a trauma anniversary and all that stuff. So I'm, I don't know. I'm excited to experience the holidays. (laughs) Um, in a more uh, 
chill way. I bought a Christmas tree, which I'm really excited about. Going to decorate it. So, yeah. I'm, uh, I'm excited for that, and I'm thankful for that. And I'm also thankful that, like, even through difficult holiday times, I've had amazing friends like Tierney and Katie and Paula and Jory and... I don't know, some other people that I'm probably forgetting. You're so mean. I love you so much, Kelly. You know I love you. <laughs> I wouldn't volunteer to record all the time with you if I didn't love you. Well, thank you so much for listening to... Kelly, do not cry! <laughs> Kelly, you stole my story. Do I not know. cry. <laughs> hey, hey. Don't make me get the bitch stick. I will bitch stick everybody in here. <laughs> Well, thank you so much for listening to another episode of Whining About Herstory. Like us on Facebook at Whining About Herstory, Instagram at WAHPAD. Twitter at WAH underscore pod. Our website is whiningaboutherstory.com where you can find some sweet merch that would make great Christmas presents. Just saying. You can also find links to everything else wherever you're, you know, where all of our links to where you can listen. You can send us some emails. You can buy merch. You can read reviews and leave your right own five-star reviews. Yep, yep. Uh, they give us warm fuzzies during the holidays. Sometimes you need it. I, I'm just going to say, uh, it can't replace my antidepressants, but by God, does does reading reviews help? <laughs> it's like an extra little boost. Right? It's like boom, that boom. extra hit of dopamine. Yeah, it's like, ooh, we're bingeable. That's crazy. I'm crazy. It's fine because we're all crazy. BetterHelp.com forward slash herstory for 10% off your first month. Get your therapy on. Holidays are stressful. They can help. This holiday season, treat yourself to therapy. (laughs) Yeah. All right. Well, thank you so much for listening to another episode of Whining About Herstory. I'm Emily. I'm Kelly. Have an empowered day. Bye. Bye.